tonight, uh, we are continuing our uh, Deadly Sin series. Uh, I'm not speaking tonight. Uh, Sam, one of our residents, he's going to speak tonight. Yeah, super exciting. Uh, but hey, hey, shh. so he's going to come up. He's going to do a great job. He, he's prepared really hard uh, for this. Uh, I truly think that God will speak through him and teach you, some, teach you guys some things tonight. But hey, uh, you remember when Dalton spoke a couple weeks ago? And it was Dalton's first time speaking. Hey, it's Sam's first time speaking tonight, okay? So, hey, y'all always pay Hey, listen, y'all always pay attention for me. And, and I, I just want you to, like, double that for him, right? Best behavior, pay super good attention, right? Don't distract him, okay? Just listen to what he has to say because I, he has a really good message in store for you. So let's pray, and then he's going to dive right into it. Uh, God, uh, we just thank you again for this night. We just thank you that we can come uh, to midweek, God, and learn uh, more about your word. And so, God, as Sam comes uh, to give a message tonight, give your message uh, and speak your word, God, I pray that you would give him peace. Uh, but most importantly, I just pray that you'd speak through him, God, that the words these students hear would be directly from you. Uh, God, that you would speak directly to their hearts through him, and they would hear exactly what they need to hear from you. So, God, we thank you for this time. And give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Midweek, what is up? Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. You know, that helps me out a little bit. All right, do me a quick favor. Just take a deep breath with me, all right? Let, let all the nerves kind of go away. Ready? All right. All right. I'm feeling much better. All right, so as Nathan said, this is my first time speaking, uh, at least to a crowd this big, and that's very nerve-wracking, um, but this is also a very exciting day for me, because it's not too often that you get to stand up on stage and uh, preach to a room full of students uh, and adults, so this, I want to I just start off by saying this is a very special moment for me, and I'm happy that I get to share it with you guys, so... Um, all right, so the last couple weeks, we've been on a new sermon series called The Deadly Sins, and two weeks ago, Nathan kicked it off with uh, talking about pride and being prideful, and then last week, we had a guest speaker from Southeast, Dave. Uh, he spoke on gluttony, self-indulgence, and laziness, and let me just say, I think he did a phenomenal job. I think he killed it. And there were certain points in his message where I really took a step back. And I thought, you know, this is really applicable to next week's message, uh, today's message. And for those of you that haven't looked at your notes or maybe don't know what we're going to be talking about today, uh, today we're going to be talking about anger. And to give you guys a little bit of a background into uh, what went into playing this message, uh, Nathan approached me, Nicole, and Dalton back in January with the idea of each one of us speaking at least once during the semester. And when Nathan said that, my mind freaked out because the extent of my speaking was just in a college classroom. And so my brain instantly went to give yourself as much time as possible to prepare. And that's exactly what I did. I went to the calendar and I went to the bottom, saw May 3rd, and I was like, you know what? That gives me enough time to prepare. Uh, but it also happened to be uh, the day that we spoke about anger. And Anger is something that's been pretty relevant in my life. Uh, it's been pretty consistent in the past. And, you know, even now, uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it comes up. 
And so it, it's very special to me, and I'm, I'm happy that I get to preach on this topic for you guys. And so when you guys think of anger, uh, you guys are middle schoolers, so I'm sure you guys have felt it before, probably multiple, multiple times a week. Uh, maybe you feel it at school with some classmates, uh, maybe even with your teacher, uh, or at home with your parents sometimes, or with your siblings, uh, or maybe in sports, whether it's with your coach or your teammates or your opponent. And one, one way or another, you, you guys feel anger, and I'm not immune to it. The adults in the room aren't immune to it either, all right? I, Ashton and I, uh, we have a dog, his name's Bruin, and he does this really cute thing where he likes to uh, poop in the house. And yeah, 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 poop emoji for, uh, for Baron. Uh, yeah, so he likes to poop in the house, and it is not fun. I'm not, I'm, I'm not all smiles and giggles when I have to pick it up, and that makes me upset. Uh, my, my lifelong dream has been to be uh, a firefighter, and this past December, I came really close to achieving that goal. Uh, I was about as close as you could possibly get to actually being a firefighter. Um, and for one reason or another, uh, some uncontrollable circumstances came up, and I haven't been able to achieve that. And so that also brought up anger. But as we dive into this message, I want you guys to have a really like basic understanding of, or basic definition of what anger is. So anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. And the word that I want you guys to just keep in mind over the course of this sermon is displeasure. Because typically, that's what brings up anger, okay? And as I mentioned, you guys have felt anger, and when you think of anger, and when I say anger, you guys pro... Pause. I'm gonna say anger a lot, so just a heads up. Um... When you guys think of anger, you guys probably think of clenched up fists, some scrunched up eyebrows, maybe some yelling and some screaming. And while it, that is a way to express anger, there's actually two types of anger. Uh, one can be pretty good, and one can be not so good. And we're going to touch on both of those. And so the two types of anger that we're going to be touch on, touching on tonight is righteous anger and unrighteous anger. Okay? And... We're going to really dive into how each one pertains to your guys' lives, how it impacts you, and in some ways, how to really control it, because uh, that's the most important part of it. But before we do that, I just ask that you guys pray with me real quick and really get our minds and our hearts ready for the message. So, <laughs> Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for another midweek with these students uh, they, they mean so much to me, Lord, and I thank you for this opportunity to be able to stand up here and uh, spread your word, Lord, and uh, hopefully give them a message that impacts them. I pray that you can open their minds and their hearts and their ears, Lord, and this message can really hit home uh, because I know uh, through you, um, there, there's, there's change. There's change for all of us and all, all of our lives, and it's a moment to grow closer with you, Lord, and, and the people around us. So just thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for another midweek, uh, and we're excited to see what you have in store for all of us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. So as I mentioned, there are two types of anger, and the first one that I want to touch on with you guys today is righteous anger. And like I did with regular anger, I want to give you guys a, a, a pretty easy to understand definition of anger. It's in your notes. Uh, righteous anger is anger over sin. 
and it comes from a place of righteousness and holiness, okay? And a lot of the times, it's directed towards things that oppose God. And so to give you guys some examples of what righteous anger is, um, you're in school, all right? And, you know, you've got your friend groups, and there's a new student uh, who just moved to whatever school you may be at. And you see your friends maybe bullying them, and that stirs up some anger uh, inside of you. And it makes you want to react and uh, be there for that new student. That's righteous anger. Maybe your parents, uh, maybe not directed towards you guys or, or your siblings, but maybe they're using mean words. Uh, and, you know, that stirs up some more anger inside of you. That's righteous anger. Um, Maybe your siblings, uh, they are willingly disobeying your parents, uh, and that is an example of righteous anger because it, 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 it stirs up your emotions, uh, seeing the people that you care about really opposing what God calls us to do. And so here's the thing about righteous anger. Yes, it's good that you have the understanding that what this person is doing, what this person is doing is wrong, all right? And... The thing, the thing is, this righteous anger is a good indicator of our heart posture. And here's why. As Christians, we're called to live a life that Jesus Christ did live and a life that he would, would live today. That's one of love, and that's one that has his eyes focused on the Lord at all times. Okay, And so if you feel righteous anger, if you see these people doing something wrong, something that opposes the Lord, you know, that's good. It means your heart posture is in the right place. Now, this isn't to say that if, you know, a kid is being bullied at school and, you know, you don't really feel anything, that's not to say, you know, you're doomed. Uh, it means there's work to be done, but you're not, you're not doomed. There's always hope for you guys. Uh, there, there's never like an ending point for uh, the period of time that you can uh, grow your relationship with the Lord. There isn't. And so I feel like we're exposed to a lot of different examples of, you know, righteous anger being a good uh, indicator of our heart of heart posture um, over the course of the Bible. And the one that I want to touch on today is actually in Matthew 21. So if you guys will flip over to Matthew 21, verses 12 through 15, that would be awesome. All right, so to give you guys a little bit of context into what's going on here, we're, we're nearing the end of Jesus' life. Uh, Jesus has already told his disciples that uh, his death is, is coming. And so he tells them this, and they head out to Jerusalem. Uh, him and his disciples head out to Jerusalem. And as they're entering the town, uh, he, Jesus uh, pauses and tells his disciples there's going to be a donkey and it's colt waiting for me uh, right before uh, Jerusalem. Bring it back to me. If anybody asks anything, tell them the Lord needs it. And so his disciples do that and they get closer to Jerusalem and eventually enter uh, Jerusalem. And that's where we're going to pick up. Okay. All right. Verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the, money, of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. 
But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Another word of saying upset. And so here we see Jesus entering Jerusalem, and the first place he goes is uh, a holy temple. He, he was coming to Jerusalem for Passover, so naturally he went uh, to the temple. And so when he walks in, I want you guys to essentially picture like a farmer's market. I mean, that's the way I imagine in my head, uh, a swap meet, farmer's market, whatever you want to picture in your head. Picture people selling doves and animals and everything that you can imagine in there. And that that stirs up anger in Jesus because, I mean, he's entering in, into this temple to pray and uh, talk to God. And here are these people buying and selling and profiting off of the temple. And so Jesus flips the tables. He flips the money, everything that's being sold, and he tells everybody that you guys are making this a place, a den of robbers. And so here's the thing. Jesus could have easily attacked each one of them. Probably could have flipped the tables at him, uh, but he didn't. Uh, Jesus' uh, anger wasn't a means of necessarily shaming or hurting these people. Uh, it was to make, make it clear what they were doing, and what they were doing was wrong. So he just flips the table, and, and he tells them, this is a place of prayer, this is a holy place of God, and you guys should not be doing this. And so... I feel like that, that is such a prime example of what we should be doing as Christians because righteous anger. Sorry. Sorry, guys. All right. So righteous anger should result in anger towards the sin and not the sinner. Okay. Righteous anger should result in anger towards the sin and not the sinner. All right. What, they're, what the person is doing should make you upset, not the person itself. I mean, if we, if, if we call ourselves Christians, we're, we're called to love our neighbors. And you attacking a person, it, it, it isn't the way to really make it clear to them that what they're doing is wrong. But finding a way to show them the actions that they're doing that they're wrong, that, that is a good way to express this righteous anger. And like when you guys think of Jesus, you probably, you think of love because the greatest love that we can get is, is from Jesus. And the way Jesus handled this situation was out of love. Whether flipping tables uh, to you guys is a symbol of love or not, you know, that's up to you guys. But he did it out of love because he wanted these people to step out away from their sin and really step into a life with Christ. And for you guys, Anytime you feel that anger, that righteous anger stirring up in front of you, I want it to come from a place of love because that's the best way that we can get whoever, whoever's doing the wrongful act, whether it's your sibling, your friend, your parent, whatever it may be, your correction should come from, from love. That righteous anger should come from love, all right? And that's so important, all right? So we touched on righteous anger. And it, it, like I said, it's very important. And um, as I mentioned earlier uh, at the intro, um, there's two types of anger. The first one, righteous, which we just talked about, and second one, unrighteous. And I'm gonna spend a little more time on this one because I feel like this is the one that we run into the most on our daily lives. 
Uh, unrighteous anger can, can really get a hold of us uh, over the course of the week, um, especially you know, when, when stress comes up um, and uh, some uncontrollable things come up. It, it, it really does affect us. And so, to, again, to give you guys a pretty easy and understandable um, definition of unrighteous anger, unrighteous anger is sinful anger. It's sinful. That clouds are judgment. Okay, it clouds our judgment. And there's several causes of unrighteous anger, but the one that is most common is unmet expectations, pain, and wrongdoing, all right? And, and I know those are broad words, but that's, that's the best, like, that's the best causes that I could give you. Because, I mean, you guys, you guys, have experienced un- unmet expectations. And that, that can look a bunch of different ways. And here's, here's a scary part, or I don't want to say scary. Here, here's a serious part, I should say. Um, in these moments of unmet expectations and pain and people doing things wrong to you guys, uh, that's when the enemy attacks. And that's when the enemy is just ready to feast on the anger that you guys have in you guys, okay? Because sinful anger is used by the enemy to cause destruction in our lives, all right? Specifically in relationships. And so we're, we're given a pretty clear warning of this in Ephesians 26 uh, through 27. Uh, I feel like it's about as clear as it can possibly be uh, it's a warning. Uh, and here is what Ephesians 26 says. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. That is about as clear as it can be to you guys. Uh, this unrighteous anger that can quickly turn into sin, uh, it, it can consume us. Uh, and when, when that anger consumes us and it clouds our judgment and we can't think straight, that is when the enemy attacks, all right? Plain and simple. That, that's where he lives off of, of our anger. And he knows that he can drive us away from a mind that's directed towards the Lord. And as I said, specifically, the enemy uses this unrighteous anger to cause destruction in our relationships because I know for myself, for the adults in the room, and for you guys probably, your relationships are probably very important to you. And the enemy knows that. So he's going to use do everything he can to destroy those. And the first relationship that gets impacted uh, by anger and by the enemy is the relationship with others. And so I told you guys earlier, I said, you know, you know picture you you have some friends that are bullying people. Well, flip it. Maybe somebody's bullying you. And in your mind, you're just so angry and you're thinking, how can I retaliate against this person? You know, how can I get them back? How can I make them feel how they just made me feel? And after a few times of that happening, uh, maybe, you know, somebody says something mean to you at, in, in sports, uh, whether it's basketball or football or, you know, ballet, volleyball, whatever you guys do. If somebody says something mean to you guys, Again, 
you know, how can I retaliate against this person? Maybe somebody hits you. How, how can I hurt them like they hurt me? Um, this, this is where our mind goes sometimes. And holding on to that anger inside of us can, can, it can be very damaging because then all of a sudden we're so consumed in getting people back. We have n- no view of the Lord. We have no focus on what God is calling us to. And that's dangerous. The second relationship that can get affected is a relationship with ourselves. Ang- I want you guys to think of anger as like, how can I word this? I want you guys to think of anger as almost deadly uh, because it can really contaminate your heart. The more that you built it up, the more you store it inside of you, it can really contaminate your heart. And to the point where one day you wake up and your view of the world, your view of everything that God has blessed us with, you know, your relationships, your house, where you live, I mean, whatever you can think of, that view is suddenly just so like blurred. Like you, you, you can't think of all the blessings that God has provided to you. And, and your heart turns into that. There's just no joy in your life. And I know that sounds really intense, but the truth is the more anger that you, you built up, that will eventually become your heart. And, and again, I know it's scary. Relationship with God. That is the last relationship that the enemy uses anger to destroy. And I mean, I've given you guys the same example throughout the message. You know, somebody, maybe, yeah, somebody at school says something bad about you or, or does you wrong in one way or another. Um, if you're so, if you're caught up in that disappointment and the anger from, from that and, you know, wanting to retaliate and, and find a way to get them back, like we're, we're way far away from where the Lord wants us to be. Okay, we're we're far away from the, where the Lord wants us to be, and pretty soon we won't even have we won't even feel like we have to rely on Him. Why? Why would we have to rely on Him if we just keep you know getting upset every time we go go to go to school or or sports or or at home? Like, you know, why why should I rely on the Lord? And that's when major destruction happens in our lives, guys. Um, for those of you that don't know me, uh, I was born in, born and raised in Texas. Uh, lived, lived there from the time I was born to uh, the time that I went off to college when I was 18. But there was a six-month stretch in eighth grade when I lived in California. Uh, my parents just, my mom, my dad grew up in California. They wanted to give it a shot. So we moved out there. And I wasn't a really social kid. Uh, I, was, I was pretty shy, actually. And so I struggled going to a new school and really making friends. And so for the first three weeks, I, I kind of ate lunch on my own. I kind of just stuck to going, to going to my classes and then going home and playing sports and really not even talking to my teammates. I was that shy. Until one day, we got assigned lab partners in science class. And I got assigned to this guy named Jonah. And we, we hit it off. We were, we were two peas in a pod. And, you know, we went out after school, got Wendy's, uh, four for four. Um, <laughs> we, we'd go to the skate park together. We'd hang out on the weekends. We, we did everything together. And pretty soon, Jonah was introducing me to his friends. And then suddenly, I had a friend group. And I didn't feel so lonely. 
Uh, and that was awesome. It was, it was a great feeling to have friends again. But around winter break, my parents decided that California wasn't really for them. It wasn't as great as they remembered growing up. And so we moved back to Texas. And although I was upset, I knew, you know, this new best friend that I had, I wouldn't lose touch with him. You know, we could FaceTime, we could text, and it'd be fun. And so, you know, a few months into readjusting into my life uh, it, back in Texas, um, I got a phone call from him, and I thought he was just calling to check up on me, uh, but he actually told me that he had cancer, and that was really tough for me uh, because, like I said, he was, he was my best friend. He gave me a friend group in a, in a community at school, even though I wasn't there anymore. He meant a lot to me, and I started to feel angry. I, I felt anger inside. I, I was angry at my parents for making us move away. I was angry at myself for not being able to be there for them. I was angry at God because in my mind, this kid was the best person I had met in a long time. I didn't think he, he deserved to have cancer. And so, you know, I, I stored up this anger and, and couldn't really focus in, in school. Uh, it was tough. And then a few months later, uh, I, I found out that he passed away. Uh, cancer had uh, taking his life, and you know, luckily he w- he wasn't alone. He had his family. He had uh, he had you know good friends around him when he was battling cancer. But it was it was just very tough for me because I wasn't able to be there for him, and that anger that I had really intensified, and it, it got to a point where my heart was just so filled with this anger, and just. I'd wake up every day and really not find any joy in what I was doing. I mean, I was playing sports. I had good friends, but none of it was enjoyable to me because I had all this pent-up anger. Now, part of it was grieving, but a big part of it was all the anger that I had inside and the anger that I hadn't let go. And it affected me in a major way. And I know what it's like to really be stored up with this anger. And that's the last thing I want for you guys because it's, it's not fun. Because one day you'll wake up and you'll wonder, where, where are my relationships? And that sounds intense, but it's true. But here's the good news. There's a remedy. There's a remedy for this anger. There's, there's a way to avoid being so caught up in all this anger and not seeing the world the way we should. Uh, and three easy steps, guys. I know the way I, I, the way I spoke about how it affected me, uh, doesn't seem like three easy steps helped me, but it took me a while to get to those three easy steps, but these three easy steps can help you. So the first one that can really help with fighting against your anger is taking a step back. Take a step back from the situation. Take a step back from all the anger that you're feeling and, and just let the emotion die down because anytime you're going in based off emotion, it, it, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be a tough go at it. I'm getting married in two weeks. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah. Marriage, baby. Woo. I'm getting married in two weeks. Uh, and I could not be more excited. You know, Ashton's my best friend, and I really hit the jackpot with, uh, you know, ha- getting a wife like her. But the times that I fall short and I really let her down are the times that I go into one of our discussions with my emotions. That's when I let her down the most. When I go in there and I'm angry and I, I'm just so fogged up by this anger that we get nowhere. 
and the res- getting to the resolution is just so much harder. So don't approach the situation based off emotion. Take a step back. And the second step to remedy against anger is to pray. A lot of the times when situations come up, we, we want to find a way to solve it on our own. We, we, we want to come up with a plan in our heads and really figure out what, what our next step is, but stop. Stop and pray. Ask God what you should do next. Ask God how you should handle this kid maybe bullying you in school. Ask God how you should handle your friends bullying this kid in school or whatever the situation may be. Okay? And the last step is to forgive. And it sounds way harder than, than it really is. Um, even when the person that hurt you may not deserve the forgiveness, that's the only way that you guys are really gonna be able to combat this anger and really fend the enemy off. If you can forgive, if you can have, and, and this is where we kind of go back to what Dave was uh, speaking to us last week. You know, he touched on discipline. It takes discipline. It takes a lot of discipline to be able to forgive somebody that you feel hurt you. And I know it's not easy, believe me. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. But at the end of the day, that's what we have to do. We have to learn how to forgive because that's the only way that our, our heart posture can go back to the way it was and we can walk up straight and really, really feel like, you know what? I'm living for the Lord. I'm loving my neighbor like I'm called to. It is the best feeling in the world. And that's what got me through my situation. I forgave myself. I forgave God. I, I forgave my parents, even though they might've been a little confused about why I was angry but I forgave and suddenly I had a better view of the world and I wasn't so caught up on anger. And so as we close tonight, here's what I want you guys to take away. And it's such good news and it should be good news, okay? Our pursuit of the Lord determines our response to anger. Our pursuit of the Lord determines our response to anger. The more we read the Bible, the more we pray, the more we surround ourselves uh, with people that push us towards the Lord, the easier it's gonna be to, to battle all this. Because the last thing I want for you guys is to wake up one day and just not know who you are and just be angry at everything. That is the last thing I want for you guys. Because I care about you. I really do. And so just keep that in mind as we, as we, as we close and uh, as we head into a time of, time of worship. I know it's not easy to forgive. And I know a lot of you guys are coming in, holding on to, to whatever it may be. Maybe your parents got divorced. Maybe you have a bad relationship with a parent or a sibling. Maybe your friend betrayed you. Whatever it may be, you guys are holding on to stuff. We read your prayer cards. And it's hard for us to, to really just soak it in because you guys deal, deal with really tough things. You do. And so as we head into a time of worship, I don't just want this to be uh, a time of worship. I I want this to be a time of forgiveness. I want you guys to really take a step back and pray to the Lord and find a leader, find a small group leader, find a, find Dalton, Nicole, Dalton or me or Ashton or, or one of your small group leaders, find them during worship time and ask them to help you uh, let go of 
this anger that you're holding on to with whoever it may be. Ask them to help you forgive. Because I want you guys to walk out of here tonight with, with the feeling of, okay, a weight has been lifted off of me. All right? So before we head into worship, let's pray real quick. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this amazing time with, with these students. I, I pray that this upcoming time of worship can, can really truly be a time of, of forgiveness and that these students can just let go of whatever may be hindering them from, from growing closer to you, Lord. Help them forgive. Thank you for placing them in, our, in all of our lives. Give us the right words to say, and I pray that they can walk out of here feeling better about their situation, Lord. Thank you, and pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.